Job chapter 15. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered, Should a wise man answer with vain knowledge and fill himself with the east wind? Should he reason with unprofitable talk or with speeches with which he can do no good? Yes, you do. Yes, you do away with fear and hinder devotion before God, for your iniquity teaches your mouth, and you choose the language of the crafty. Your own mouth condemns you, and not I. Yes, your own lips testify against you. Are you the first man who was born, or were you brought out before the hills? Have you heard the secret counsel of God? Do you limit wisdom to yourself? What do you know, what do you know that we don't know? What do you understand which is not in us? With us are both the gray-headed and the very aged men, much older than your father. Are the consolations of God too small for you, even the word that is gentle toward you? Why does your heart carry you away? Why do your eyes flash that you turn your spirit against God and let such words go out of your mouth? What is man that he should be clean? What is he who is born of a woman that he should be righteous? Behold, he puts no trust in his holy ones. Yes, the heavens are not clean in his sight. How much less one who is abominable and corrupt, a man who drinks iniquity like water. I will show you, listen to me, that which I have seen I will declare, which wise men have told their fathers and have not hidden it to whom alone the land was given, and no stranger passed among them. The wicked man rise in pain all his days, even the number of years that are laid up for the oppressor. A sound of terror is in his ears. In prosperity the destroyer will come on him. He doesn't believe that he will return out of, the dark, out of darkness. He is waited for by the sword. He wanders abroad for bread, saying, Where is it? He knows that the day of darkness is ready at his hand. Distress and anguish make him afraid. They prevail against him as a king ready to the battle, because he has stretched out his hand against God and behaves himself proudly against the Almighty. He runs at him with a stiff neck, with the thick shields of his bucklers, because he has covered his face with his fatness and gathered his fat on his thighs. He has lived in desolate cities, in houses which no one inhabited, which were ready to become heaps. He will not be rich, neither will his substance continue, neither will their possessions be extended on the earth. He will not depart out of darkness. The flame will dry up his branches. He will go away by the breath of God's mouth. Let him not trust in emptiness, deceiving himself, for emptiness will be his reward. It will be accomplished before his time. His branch will not be green. He will shake off his unripe grape as the vine and will cast off his flower as the olive tree. For the company of the godless will be barren and, the, and fire will consume the tents of and fire will consume the tents of bribery. They conceive mischief and produce iniquity. Their heart prepares deceit. These are the comments for Job chapter 15. Now, if you've been going through, through, uh, through the book of Job with me, you will know that there are three friends 
and they've all given a speech to Job now, and Job's replied to all of them. Now these three friends actually go through this round of speeches three times. Uh, except for the third guy, he, he kind of doesn't do his last speech. But there's basically three rounds of speeches. So you know, you've got Job does the initial speech, then you've got friend one, reply, friend two, reply, friend three, reply, and that's round one. So we've now done all the way through to Job chapter 14 and we've finished round one. Now we're starting round two. <laughs> and if you think that any great extra special things are gonna come from their friends, you're wrong, because it's gonna be a similar rehash to what's said before, but we'll find different things to say about it. Different points will be made, but his friends are like a stuck record and you're gonna see it as we go along. So Eliphaz the Temanite gives his second speech, which is the eighth speech in the book out of 19. Eliphaz the Temanite is the voice of experience. And his in his speech, which this time only takes one chapter, <laughs> the speeches kind of get shorter. You know, like earlier his speech took two chapters, but now this speech only takes one chapter. So the speeches are getting shorter, but the speeches are getting more intense, more to the point, because you know, that's often what happens in an argument, they heat up. When you think you're not being heard, you argue all the more vigorously, which is what happens. So in this speech, in verses one to six of chapter 15, he says that in everything you've said, Job, you've sinned. In verse seven to 13, he says to Job, you're ignorant, arrogant, and proud. In verses 14 to 25, he makes the point that wicked people always get what they deserve, in verses 26 to 23, he says, and you're going to get what you deserve too, because <laughs> you're wicked. So in his first speech, he was much more gracious. He, he kind of started off with a little bit of sympathy, but then he said, look, you're, you've done the wrong thing. You've got to repent. Now he's saying, and this, he's saying, look, you're wicked and you're going to get what's coming to you. So you can see he's taking it to another whole level. For example, in verse six, he says, your mouth condemns you, not me and your own lips testify against you. So he's pointing at him and saying, you know, if you wanna know where you've sinned, you've, said, you've sinned right now in the things that you've done. And, uh, <laughs> and um, in verse nine, he says, what do you know that we don't know? What do you understand which we don't understand? So he has a rhetorical question. He's basically saying, we understand that when people sin, they're punished. But the point is that Job did know something they didn't understand. He knew he hadn't done anything wrong because they didn't believe him. <laughs> so that was the problem. And um, I just wanted to say that, that, that the whole book is going to hang around this point. But all of Job's struggles go right, right back to the first two chapters where Job was accused by the devil. And I thought this was a good time to make the point that the devil really has two weapons. Now, um, you might say, oh, the devil, the devil can attack you and harm you. Like, you know, the devil did these things to Job and you might say, that's the attack of the devil. True, the devil can do that type of thing. But really when it boils down to it, the, the devil has two main weapons. Number one is accusation. So the thing that happened to Job is still the thing that happens today. And how accusation happens is usually people go into God's presence, usually these are believers, people who are allowed to go into God's presence because they've got the Holy Spirit and they're saved, but they pray wrong prayers and they accuse. They might say things like, Lord, you know, uh, 
my neighbour is an evil person and, they, and they've done the wrong thing and, and they might pray a wrong prayer accusing a neighbour or a friend or a family or a pastor or someone of something. And in that process, they bring accusation into the courts of the Lord. Well, that's what the devil did in Job chapter 1. He went into the courts of the Lord and accused. And Revelation says that he is the accuser of the brethren who accuses them day and night. So that's the devil's tact. One of the devil's tactics is accusing people and accusation always brings about pain. We see that in our courts today. You know, a woman can accuse a man of sexual assault or, uh, you know, someone like a, a, anyone, a man, a woman, anyone can be accused of fraud. Just the accusation alone, whether it's true or not, is enough to destroy someone's career. We see that that type of thing does happen. Of course, you know, it can be resolved through a legal process and then eventually people can sometimes get everything restored to them, but often they don't get restored to them everything. Fortunately, in the book of Job, he does get everything restored to him twice, twice over, and we can believe for that. So accusation is a genuine weapon of the devil. It's a spiritual weapon. And uh, as Christians, sometimes we are the victims of accusation and there's a way of dealing with it. And I did talk about this way back in Job chapters one and two, and there's also a message on the Peace app. Go to the Play Store or the iTunes Store and type in Peace Apostolic Ministries. You find our app. There's a message on there called Defeating the Power of Accusation. It's worth listening to. So that's one of the devil's weapons. But he has another weapon. He has the weapon of lies. And um, the Bible calls the devil the father of lies. So, you know, presumably he's the first liar and he uses lies all the time. Now, we see in the Garden of Eden that he spoke to Eve and he said, did God really say? And Eve, you know, says what she thought God said. And the devil says, no, God didn't say that. And the devil puts a spin on God's words. So they're kind of like what God said, but slightly different. See, there's an example of lying. And so the devil does this type of thing to people all the time. He twists the meaning of scripture in our mind, or he twists the way we think, or even puts lies directly into our minds so that we believe the wrong thing. So um, I remember a guy um, who was in my church in Mount Morgan, Mike, a, a dear a dear brother, and he, as a, as a child, you know, his mum and dad had split up, and he came to believe that that was all God's fault. So as a little child, you know, his parents divorced, he blamed God. Now that is an example of a lie. That's an example of the devil accusing God. You know, the devil loves to accuse. Well, now the devil has accused God, but he's sown those thoughts into that little boy's mind and that little boy blamed God, believed a lie. And so the devil does this type of thing. He sows lies into people's minds and when they believe them, it's just like Eve being led astray at the Garden of Eden. It has a huge effect on your life or on people's lives when you believe what's not true. And that's why we must keep the scriptures close by. And so that, that brother Mike, you know, he went, he, be, he, had, he went through a terrible life of alcoholism and all sorts of things and eventually came back to the Lord late in life through an AA program. In the AA program, he knew he believed in a higher power but didn't know that it was God. And, but eventually he joined our church and, and eventually, he, I remember him saying a year before he died, he said, you know, I'm right with God. It is well with my soul. Well, that was a lifelong journey. <laughs> I feel sorry for that guy. And, um, but it was an example of a lie that destroyed a life. And in the end, you know, he was a great blessing in his final years. I remember when our house was cut off by rising floodwaters and our car, you know, we couldn't get out because of the floodwaters and we ran out of toilet paper. 
And Mike, you know, he came in his four-wheel drive and delivered us a big pack of toilet paper, good old Mike. In his final years, he was a blessing. But, you know, all those years of life that were robbed by a lie, that it was all God's fault. And so these are the, these are the weapons of the evil one. Accusation, which is a type of lie, and lies. And so we need to fight against them. And in Ephesians chapter 6, we are told that there are, there are weapons that we can use to fight against the devil's tactics. And we're told one of them is the word of God. It's the, the sword, you know, there's a sword that we hold that we can use to fight, and it's the word of God. And uh, another one is trust and faith. You know, the shield of faith. The shield of faith is a way to put out those fiery enemies of the, the evil ones. So we can say, you know what? The Lord would not do that to me. You know, you imagine Job. Job is, is standing in faith. He's saying, you know, you know, I do not believe what you're telling me. Like his friends are throwing lies at him. And he does not believe them. He stands upon trust. <laughs> now he has his own questions, but he trusts. And so that's what we have to do as well. When we get to Ephesians in about two years from now, we'll go through those weapons and we'll talk about them in detail. Um, but for now, it's just worthwhile knowing that the devil has these tactics of accusing and lying, and we need to stand on the word of God and trust and believe. You know, prayer and Bible reading really are powerful weapons for every Christian. So Lord, we thank you. We've got such things as prayer and Bible reading. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides us. And I pray that we would have the spirit of truth in our hearing and not the spirit of lies that comes from the evil one. And we rebuke those lies and we command them to go. And Father, I ask for grace to be extended to us for a life that serves you. In Jesus' name, amen.